Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show that wishes Kira Walsh, Georgia Stanway, Ellen White, Chloe Kelly and Lauren Hemp the very, very best of luck for this Sunday's final. On today's pod, we'll be looking ahead to the Lioness's date with Destiny. But our first and main port of call will of course be tomorrow's Community Shield. Liverpool at Leicester, with both teams rusty as hell. It's a hard one to call. Thankfully, I'm joined by two Blues who can probably find the probabilities. It's Chris and Ben. Hi, Chris. You well, mate? I'm fine. How are you? I'm okay, but I've struggled to say the name Lauren then for some weird reason. <laughs> <laughs> that side, I'm, I'm all good. Have you uh, got a good weekend ahead? Uh, it's domestic bliss. We're, I'm fitting a kitchen at the minute. I'm oh, so rock man. And, I'm so rock and roll. But I've never done one before, so I always it's a real learning curve. And uh, kitchens are actually... Actually, I'm going to stop this conversation. I've just heard myself say kitchens are... <laughs> okay, yeah. No, I've got... So actually, I've got... Yeah, so I, I'm out in Las Vegas on Friday night, and then, and then I'm going out on a world tour on Saturday morning. And if I, if I wake up on Sunday, I'll let you know. You're doing this on your own? You're fitting a kitchen on your own. Yeah, yeah. Blimey. Well, I, my, my, my son's helping me, but it's oh, sort of a, that's a bit... it's 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 school of YouTube, so it's it's all good. Still, that's a bit alpha male for me, Fedus. That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> ben, are you fitting a kitchen this weekend? I'm not. No, I'm. Uh, I am taking a, a bit of a, a trip down to Leicester tomorrow. So nice. Yeah. So season starts for me tomorrow, and yeah, I'm not practical whatsoever. So what Chris said there. Fills me with dread, to be honest, but best of luck with it. <laughs> we will we will get to the Community Shield shortly, but I, I wasn't aware you were going. So one thing I did want to discuss, which we didn't put on the agenda, is is the fact that it's at Leicester this time, kind of roughly equal distance between both teams participating. Um, I'll start with you, Ben. Kind of, is this the way forward? Is this the way the Community Shield should be, rather than you know Northwest clubs having to trek all the way down to Wembley? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the same as well about the semi-finals, which yeah. you know a lot of people say say that too. Um, obviously, it's, there's a reduced uh, attendance for Leicester. I, I can't remember the number that the city got, but it wasn't huge numbers. Um, I was lucky enough to get a, get a ticket through the supporters branch that I'm a, I'm a member of. Um, one thing I will say is I've, I've been to the uh, the last couple of away games at Leicester, uh, and it has been absolutely rocking. So we're hoping for, for for that, to be honest. But but yeah, I mean, I'm all for it. I mean, I think City also obviously get a bit of stick. Don't know if they don't sell out the charity shield, but you know, I mean, we're actually we're, we're going tomorrow because we're um, we're away for the first league game of the season because we're we're on holiday and obviously the season's starting a little bit earlier than it is normally. So I'm not sure if we we'd have gone. You know, if if uh, if we'd have been around for the first game of the season, so it was just almost. The, the season starts for us tomorrow, I guess. Uh, is it the Chester branch that you... It, it is, yeah. yeah, oh, it is, yeah. Big up to the Chester branch. The best branch around by far, in my opinion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, yeah. Chris, FA Cup semi-finals, Community Shields, basically everything but the the showpiece events like FA Cup finals, League Cup finals. Mm. There's no harm in them going around the country, is there? There isn't. I mean, if I'm chief executive of Wembley, then I can find re- I can find rationale to say all the all games, if possible, should be played at Wembley. I get it completely. Yeah. But it but it has diluted the prestige and that and that sense of of occasion of going to Wembley. I, I think that's also been tempered by the fact that in the last ten years we've been to Wembley more than we could ever have imagined we Definitely. would have been, you yeah. know, two, 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 two decades ago. So. 
I, I, I guess I guess what I would say is is, is if is if the is if the community shield is going to be played at different league grounds, then there needs to be. Uh, a decent proportion of the tickets available to the fans of that particular team, so they get a chance. To, you know, you know, t- so they get a chance to 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 see a community shield if if they want to see it, um, which they may not want to. I mean, Leicester fans might say, "I have no desire to see Liverpool and City play out a community shield," but I think it's. Um, I think it, I think it's it sort of. It, it, it grates with me the most with FA Cup semi-finals, um, and, and there's, a, there's there's zero regard for um, expenses for fans, particularly in, t- in current cost of living crisis as well. So it's a, yeah, it's it's it, it, it's a really kind of it's a challenging process. But so I'm I'm quite glad um, it's that. It, it's at Leicester, particularly as we're making way for the uh, women's final, which is more than enough Absolutely. Uh, reason, reason to s- step aside. Yeah, and it's so bizarre to think that here we are having a discussion about Wembley fatigue as City fans. Yeah, <laughs> Whoever <laughs> thought that would be a conversation we'd have. Um, okay, let's kind of look at the game itself. Um, and to kind of look at the, the lineups and who may feature, the biggest clues, of course, lie in pre-season. Um, ben, I'll start with you. Who, who's kind of impressed you in pre-season? Um, and are you anticipating any of these players featuring on on Saturday? Yeah, I think that the one for me uh, is probably Grealish, to be fair. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about what he's going to do this season. I, I think I think last season, obviously, he had his critics. Um, but I, I think he had a, a pretty solid season. I think early on, uh, you know, he was obviously told, I think, to get sort of high and wide. And he was, he was very sort of disciplined in his shape. Um, he attracts players constantly, you know, whether it's fouls or, or anything. He always seems to have two or three players around him, which I'm sure Pep absolutely love because it obviously, obviously creates spaces for other players. Um, but I'd be lying if I was saying that, you know, there was a few times in the season, you know, when he was in front of goal, missed a chance, and, you know, I was cursing him. So he obviously does need to improve on that. Um, he got better towards the end of the season. You know, obviously like the... The Real Madrid game when he came off the bench and the West Ham game, I'm he was sorry. he was really strong. Um, but I think uh, he basically looks to me like you know he's got the the bit between his teeth now, and he's um, you know he's he wants to make an impact. Hopefully, he's gonna gonna run at people a bit more. Um, and you know we saw the beginnings of that that link up with Haaland, I guess. So I'm really hoping that he really kicks on this season, uh, and you know I think he will start. Uh, and I think he'll, he'll, you know, start the the first few games of the season with that in mind. I just want to say one thing about his finishing last season, which was, yes, he did, of course, you're absolutely right, he missed chances and, and he could have been more clinical, but there were at least a couple of handfuls of times where he missed and at first glance, you thought, oh, you know, that's a bit of a, a bad miss there. And then you saw in the replay that the keeper just got his fingertips to it. Or, you know, basically what I'm saying is it was part kind of lack of clinicism, but also he was just unlucky, I think, in front of goal last season. And and if that turns, then um, that'll be a huge plus for us. Um, yeah. Chris, who's, who's impressed you from pre-season? I think I think the really good sign is is it's it's probably the question is who hasn't impressed really because I I thought collectively over both games the, the squad looked really together and 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 we looked a lot further down the line of preseason than than you would imagine uh, at that point I think you know the, the, there's some obvious ones but obviously the young left back Wilson Brown just really I thought his composure um, against Bayern Munich was was superb. Um, De Bruyne's a really clear one and I think that's as much to do with 
contrasting to De, De Bruyne's pre-season last season, where he was basically a broken body. Yeah. Um, I think that the contrast with that is stark. Obviously, Haaland is is a, is an obvious one. Except we, I only you know only saw forty five minutes of him. But I think that the difference was when we against Bayern, when we uh, particularly when we turned the ball over and and regained possession in the midfield, which was a big element of that game. It was just incredibly encouraging to see the way Haaland just just immediately accelerated towards the goal. Um, and and we haven't seen that in one of like in a false nine player for a couple of seasons, uh, and that's why he got to that square ball from Grealish was was the way he, the, the immediacy and his instinct as a striker. So that boded really well. But I just think collectively, I was really pleased with the way the team played. And as I say, that in terms of the way the the the, the system was working. Um, it just felt as if we'd, we'd picked up where we left off at the end of last season. So it was deeply encouraging. Um, and yeah, and I think that if it's two preseason games, it's two preseason games. What I saw was we're at a, we're in a really good place. I completely accept that, and, and I go along with it wholly. But then it's still two preseason games. Um, is there a danger that this weekend we're going to see some rustiness? Um, I think back to last season, the opening game against Spurs. Um, and very, very possibly the same might apply to Liverpool as well. With, with a rejigged season and the kind of, you know, truncated pre-season for all clubs, might we see basically a game this Saturday which is all about just getting some minutes in the legs for both teams? I, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go on, Ben. You still been there. Sorry. Um, no, sorry. Yeah, I, I think um, I think that with regards to like comparing it with other seasons, I think... I think this is where we are now, to be honest, with, with modern yeah. day football, you know, whether it's, um, you know, World Cups or, or tournaments like that or, you know, you know, players coming back late. I think this year, with regards to having like a bit of a shorter pre-season um, from from Pep's point of view in terms of like, his decisions to, to bring the players back in late, I don't think he had much other choice. You know, they've, they've played football sort of solidly for, for a couple of years now. Um, and I think it's I think it's all sensible. Um, so, so I sort of think, to be honest, that every season is is like this. It's going to be like this. This season is a little bit better, um, but I'm not sure if you've you've watched any of the um, the, the stuff that City have put out this week about on the uh, Together documentary. Mm. Um, but the the head of sports science basically said, obviously this is this is talking about last season, um, but he basically said the aim is always to be up and sort of flying really by the autumn time. Um, so I think they'll always have that in mind. I imagine there to be a little bit of rustiness as we've seen in the past, you know, things like KDB getting his perf- perfect range, you know, absolutely spot on. But, um, but I also think that the fact that it is Liverpool and it is City, you know, they probably will go a bit hell for leather, to be honest. Obviously, they won't be as, as in their optimum sort of form. Um, but, you know, I think I don't expect it to be like a passive friendly. Uh, if it if it is, you know, it might sort of fade towards the end of the game. But I imagine yeah. both teams are going to go relatively strong uh, and both go for it. To be honest, I, I think I think so. I, I I think whatever the scoreline is after sixty five minutes will be the scoreline on ninety minutes. I think that definitely will be a kind of a downgrade in in application. It's, it's inevitable. Um, Chris, what what? How do you think as regards to kind of rustiness and kind of. Um, the aim to just get the players up to scratch. I think that there's it's that old cliche about the difference between fitness and match fitness, and match fitness is very much is, is about um, 
reflexes and and is like you say is is about accuracy and aim and measuring passes because you know you can play as many preseason friendlies as you want and they are very much just showcase events now you know our preseason friendlies in the states and and that and this is evidenced by this huge numbers of city fans the increase of, of city fans in, in america is incredible over, over the past three years but they, they are showcase events effectively they are sort of pr campaigns yeah and and, and uh, you know and and that and it's just 180 minutes of their training the majority of the training takes place behind closed doors um so it, it, compare where we were this time last season that we, that we basically had half a squad and some of the squad that we did have were broken um we are in a far superior position and every other team in the first f- three or four fixtures of the season will be the same way is that they're battling just to get that can that match fitness that level of confidence and composure so yeah i didn't i didn't see and remember the second game was against Bayern, a pretty full strength Bayern munich and 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 the way that we played in that game i think was testament to 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 where we are and the fact that the club has taken advantage of the fact that they know we're lucky to have the all the players pretty fit and available at this point. So I, I for me, there's, there's nothing, I'm not seeing anything different than I've seen in the past few seasons. I think, yeah, we've had fewer friendlies, but it, it's not particularly worrying me. Yeah, I, I think back to that Community Shield against United, um, the 3-2 one, you know, when they, I think yeah. we were 2-0 up at half-time and then they, yeah. they got it. And that game was all about a difference in fitness. You know, United yeah. were at that moment in time fitter than we were. Um, and I, I might be wrong here, um, but I think that was the start of the season where we, we won the league. Um, am I no. right? Oh, oh, it was at the end yes, of that yeah, no, it was, no, it wasn't. It, it was. Yeah, we, we played the chat community show because we were FA Cup winners. That's right. And, yeah, and then, yeah. you know, we, we started that season extraordinarily well. And, and yet yeah. in that game, we looked ring rusty. You know, there's no two ways about it. So, yeah, it doesn't overly concern me. Um, but having said that, I'd still rather not lose to... To Liverpool in any <laughs> circumstance. Um, so the lineups then, um, impossible to predict in September and kind of April, never mind it, you know, after a long summer. Um, ben, are you, is, is there a back four that you believe Pep will go with? Or is it kind of a case of you looking on Twitter an hour beforehand and, and <laughs> not really knowing what to expect? I think the the unknown for me a, a little bit is is in the the centre back position. I think I think Walker and Cancelo uh, will both start. Um, I think Ake has played the most minutes, hasn't he, in pre season? Mm. Um, so so I g- guess he will start. Um, and so I I would think it would be Ake uh, and Diaz. Um, but you know, Stones could 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 slip in as well. But I think it would be it'd be two of those three for sure. Chris at the back. Um... Wilson as um, Brown to come on maybe after a kind of you know to get half an hour. Maybe I mean I agree with Ben. I think I think apart from the Stones slash Ake possibility, I think I think it's kind of our hand is kind of forced really with who we can actually pick if we want to go for a strong back four. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I guess it'll depend how Guardiola Guardiola sees the Community Shield as a title. Yes, so he, which is so right, he, by the way. Yeah. So so <laughs> no, it depends if we win it or not. It's um, um, so so he will take it seriously, um, but. Yeah, I, I think he will start strong, anticipating that Liverpool will start strong as well. Okay, uh, we look at the midfield. Um, I'm seeing suggestions all over the place that Calvin Phillips, um, Calvin Phillips is going to start over Rodri. 
Um, ben, could you see that as a possibility? I, I don't think so. I think these these games now, you know, as as we're sort of saying with the short preseason, it is very much getting his strongest team sharp. I think Rodri started uh, ninety minutes, hasn't he? I think both of the friendlies mm. um, or played ninety minutes. Sorry, um, and I think it's just a case of getting his best team as sharp as as they can be. So I do very much think it will be. Um, you know, Rodri, Bernardo and KDB are, are sort of best and, and first choice front three, um, middle three, sorry. And then I think he'll, you know, introduce Phillips over the weeks. I think they've got a friendly, haven't they, with um, with Barca as well. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's the, the week after the week after that. But but yeah, I, th- I think it's a case of getting all of these players, getting his strongest team absolutely razor sharp and, and, and match fit. Well, that takes us to the front three and this is where it gets really interesting. Um, Chris, who... Who are you anticipating as the starting front three on Saturday? Um, I think I think it'll be um, Grealish, Haaland, and Mares, um, okay. and possibly some, and then and then some changes, uh, maybe at half time or sixty minutes with Foden and Alvarez coming on. But I think I think it, um, I think Grealish and Haaland connected up really well against Bayern Munich. So uh, I do think it will be that front three, possibly the front three that started against Bayern. Uh, but hopefully to get some changes so we can get some competitive match fitness into Foden. Ben, anything to kind of any difference of opinion there? No, that's, I, I pretty much thought that. I guess the the only one that um, is um, is a maybe for me, I guess, is Mares uh, and Alvarez. Obviously, Alvarez is is effectively he is match fit, isn't he? He's, he's coming just straight off the season, so I wouldn't be surprised if he started. Um, mm. But. And yeah, same as what Chris said, really. I can imagine Foden coming in or getting, you know, at least 30 minutes or something like that. Um, but I think Grealish and Haaland are, you know, are a shoe in for sure. You know what? I'm just thinking of Haaland now playing Liverpool on tomorrow and I've got really excited about that prospect. Um, looking to the Liverpool side of things, um, Chris, it wouldn't be a, a huge surprise if, if Klopp went strong. He always seems to against us in any circumstances. And yet he's without Alisson and he's without Jota. Mm. So are you basically thinking those two aside, it's going to be his strongest eleven? I would imagine so. It, it's, I think it's because it's because it's Liverpool because they're playing City. Yeah, and I, and I think I think that's that that's a lot of what Community Shield has come, has come about for me. It's not so much about the about the event; it's about who we're playing. Um, I think that Alisson and Jota will be a big uh, miss for him. Um, but you know you, they've got the trademark best team in the world, so they, they should have a squad deep enough to be able to compensate for those for those uh, absences. I'll be really pissed if Klopp doesn't go strong, and and try, and tries to fill quite a few young players because then he's just generating an excuse for for the game. Because I I, I want the game to be super competitive, um, and um, and if both of those players Liverpool are out, then it means. Uh, uh, Immediately, we do have a slight advantage. Um, so, but I, 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 I think I hope more than expect that he will go strong. Mm. Ben, I mean, Chris said there about kind of um, the fact that it's it's City that Liverpool are playing. Is there a psychological element to this? Because let's face it, the two clubs have, have formed somewhat of a duopoly in recent years. Um, last season, Liverpool lost twice all season, and yet still finished behind us. There is a, a kind of statement that could be made maybe this Saturday to say, okay, we're the ones who are taking the lead this season. We're the ones who are taking charge or am I reading too much into it? 
Well, it depends if we win, is the answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they've, you know, both games last season, both both finished two, two all, didn't they? And they both really went at it. Yeah. Um, and I think there's that, um, call it what you want, but it's, you know, mutual respect between Klopp and Pep that, you know, that they effectively don't give each other an inch, do they? So I can certainly imagine them, them, them going at it, um, you know, Klopp's been, been been putting the excuses. I think he's con- he's conceded the title already, hasn't he? And he said, yes. um, you know, his preseason isn't long enough. So unfortunately for him, the first couple of games, including this one, will be part of his preseason. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes. I think they'll I think they'll go strong. Um, they've obviously got the um, the young lad Carvalho. I don't know if, if if many of you remember when we played Fulham last season. Yeah, he was really really bright. Uh, so I, I think he'll be good for them. He's absolute quality, Caval. Yeah, he really worries because he's superb. He's a really great purchase. For yeah, I I can't remember who it was. I interviewed a former Liverpool player recently, and I was talking about kind of the Mane situation, and he brought him up and said, "No one's talking." Oh, it was Danny Murphy. He said, "No one's talking about him. He's, he's an absolutely amazing player. Basically, he's, he's going to and he's going to feature more than what people think this this season." So, um, I can't I remember how his name was pronounced. Is it Keller or Kellier or something? The, the reserve <laughs> yeah, keeper. He's- also trademarked as the, the best back yes. keeper in the league, isn't he? Yeah. It's just, when Klopp said that, I just thought, oh, come on, you surely are in on a joke now. Because he said, yeah, he was the best backup keeper in the world, I think. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, dear me. Um, okay, well, let's kind of look at the Community Shield as a whole then. Um, me and Howard fundamentally disagree on this. So I really want to see what the two of you think. Chris, how do you view the importance of the Community Shield? Is it a curio? Is it a glorified friendly? Or is it a genuine title like me and Pep Guardiola think? <laughs> I mean, I, I know Guardiola sees it as a kind of super cup, which is which is a which is a concept that's you know much more popular on the continent yes. really yeah. than it is here. And I understand that completely. Um, and I, I I'm glad we're playing in it. Um, and I'm glad we're playing against Liverpool, but it's never really. Ten years ago, when, for example, when we beat um, Chelsea at, at, at Villa Park, do you remember after we won the title? Um, that's when the the meaning of the Community Shield really embedded itself for me. In regards, it was a statement of intent, and and we beat one of our main. Opponents, one of our, our main competitors, by beating Chelsea. So it, you're just putting a marker down, and it must, and it has a feel-good ripple effect through the through the fan base and through the team. I'm sure. So that's that. That that is for me how I see it now. Because I just, you know, I, I I wouldn't say it's a glorified friendly, but it's more a case of you just, you know, it's important against Liverpool because you just, you just make it, you just putting down a marker at the beginning of the season. And it's, you know, I can't remember the last time Community Shield was sold out. Uh, there's always gaps across there. And if we if we win it, it's great. But ultimately, that win mean is meaningless in regards to Premier League uh, progress, domestic cups and Champions League. It's just about putting down a marker, first of all. That's why it's great we're playing Liverpool. Okay. Ben, a few years ago, did we win the quadruple? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think we, I think we did. I mean, I think that the charity shield suffers effectively because of its its timing. You know, it's the whole um, you know premise is it's meant to be the two best teams in in the country, isn't it? You know, whether it's the 
you know, the winners of the league uh, against the FA Cup winners, or, you know, obviously if it's the same, that's the same club, it's the first versus the second. So that's what it's billed as. You know, I can see if it was, you know, later on in the year and the teams were, you know, were, were fully match fit, it, people would look at it a lot differently. So I think it does suffer um, from that point of view. And yeah, you know, Pep certainly rates it as a title. Um, that's that's certainly good enough for me. Um, you know, you have to you have to win one of those big things to, to be in it, don't you? So I think so. I think it is a marker. I mean, again, I'm going to contradict myself here, but, you know, if we're, if we're to win it, then you're right. Chris is right in terms of it gives you that momentum, gives you that hope. Uh, if you're to lose it, you know, in, in all honesty, I probably will be over it, you know, within an hour or two, right. um, which contradicts myself. But, you know, I think if, if you can get it in the bag, it's it's the first one and you, you move on into the season, it can it can help you. I was going to ask about that actually, how, how you'd feel if you lose. I mean, it may be different for yourself being there at the game. I mean, I remember that was one of the worst experiences as a City fan losing to, but that was because it was against United, of course. But still, and of course, the second half kind of um, letting, letting a two goal lead go, uh, go against them. But I, I was absolutely gutted when we lost in that committee shield. And, and I haven't thought about it for years and I've just brought it up before and now it's brought it all back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there have been other community shields where we've lost and you just move on and you can see the positives, can't you? You think, well, so-and-so had a really good game there. You know, he's looking quite fresh. Um, you know, De Bruyne, well, whoever it may be, he's got some minutes in his legs and, and you kind of, you, you can see the positives afterwards, even in defeat. But Chris, will you be gutted if you lost to Liverpool? Um. Uh, yeah, only because it's Liverpool. Yeah, and it and it just means they get bragging rights until yeah. the first until the first fixture. Look at last year, right? We played Leicester in the Community Shield with a half-fit squad, and, and we lost to a crap. Well, not a crappy penalty. Okay, fouled him, but ultimately it was meaningless. And 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 I think that that so we can call it a, a title, but but really it, it's it, it, it's. What's the difference between that and the two cups that we won in our preseason friendlies against Bayern and Club America? It's a one-off game, and we won a poxy little trophy afterwards. Really, <laughs> so so I'm not quite sure how I measure. Can I just I just recall though, apart from Leicester last year, and then apart from United in 2000, start of the 2011-12 season, have we lost any other Community Shields? Mm, I want to say no, but I can't say it with certainty. I can't recall any. I don't recall us. We beat Liverpool in them. I think we've played them twice, haven't we? Yeah. So I, I don't recall us losing any community shields, um, in which case it's a massive title and we are dominant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Carabao and the community shield are both yeah, ours. Yeah. <laughs> I can't actually, the, the one, um, did we win both against Liverpool? I, we won one on a penalty shootout, didn't we? Yes. Yeah, when yeah. it was one all. And it yeah. was when uh, that's when Walker cleared off the line. Yes, yeah, the last, thought, yeah, last moment. Those, the, the other one was the Sane one, wasn't he? Where uh, Gomez did Sane, which yeah. you know, let, let's hope that it is a competitive game this Saturday. But you know, let's hope Liverpool don't go out and ruin our players. Um, okay, well, kind of, let's have a discussion elsewhere on a player who I hope to see on Saturday, uh, and I hope to see this season as well. And whether it's in a city shirt or not, we'll wait and see. But I just want to see him play minutes because he's a joy to watch this lad. James McAtee. Ben, do you think, I mean, even the BBC's gone with this today, that City have made him available to go out on loan, that Forrest are interested, that Leeds are interested, that others are too, but really I think City will be looking to get him in the Premier League. Um, 
Would you rather McAtee went out on loan this season or would you rather he stayed at the club as, as essentially the kind of sixth choice midfielder who will get minutes here and there? I think, um, I, I always think at the start of the season where, um, you know, touch wood, most of the players are fit um, and the games don't come quite as thick and fast as they do a little bit later on in the season. I do think there'll be limited opportunities for him, in all honesty, um, you know, because of, you know, the players, they, they want to be starting. There's, there's sort of, I think there'll be rotation, you know, in terms of like getting the likes of, of Gundogan and, you know, as we talked about that, that front five or six, I think all of those are rotating minutes. Hmm. But I don't think there'll be any sort of heavy rotation with the likes of some of like McAtee and maybe Palmer getting a lot of minutes early on. So from that point of view, I can see that it makes sense. You know, maybe if he was to go on loan for, I don't know, the first half of the season um, or something like that. But I think we are light in that position in terms of the, the attacking midfielder role. Um, but I, I, I couldn't imagine him getting, you know, I certainly couldn't imagine him getting like a start in the league before um, before the World Cup. If you think, is it, is it 14 games or something like that? Mm. So I can sort of see from his point of view, you know, why he'd do that. I also wonder whether in his um, contract negotiation, I guess, you know, we're not party to those um, conversations. Are they, you know, he might have said, you know, basically I want to be having starts or if not, you know, I want to be loaned out. Basically I want to be playing first team football for some, somebody. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was something like that or certainly discussion had been, uh, been ongoing around that. Um, but, you know, every time I've seen him, he looks, you know, really bright player, doesn't he? He's, he looks to be like a you know a few of our people that come through the um, the conveyor belt. I guess he looks to be in that sort of David Silver mould. Um, you know, very sort of cute with his passing and, and a clever player and stuff. Um, so so yeah, so I can see I can see the reasons why I guess it makes sense for for him to loan that to be loaned out. Can you remember um, when he made an appearance last season and it was, it was televised and Gary Neville said, "Oh my God, they've got another one." <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, from the player's perspective, Chris, if you were if you were McAtee in a season, where would your best interest be? I mean, the kid's ready, isn't he? Yeah, it's, it is a challenging one because I, I think it'll often come down to what the player maybe wants. But there are there are two truisms about Guardiola in the way he treats academy players, and the first one is that. There are very few academy players who are, have the potential to be at the elite standard to get break into that first team, and the, but those who are Guardiola recognizes quite quickly. Hen, you know, i.e. Foden, Palmer. The second thing is is that Guardiola will very carefully manage the amount of playing time that young player gets until they are ready. So then, they, they, so that in terms of confidence and exposure, they can hit the ground running. Look at Foden, and I'm sure you look at Palmer this season. It would have happened more for Palmer last season uh, if he'd not got injured. And they obviously believe that McAtee is at that level. And if I was McAtee, I would stay. And I know he's desperate for first-team football, but also I don't want him going anywhere near a team that don't play a similar style to City because actually he's getting minutes in his legs. He's getting, he's getting, he'll mature as a player, but actually in terms of the, the, the system, he'll, he'll lose out. If he stays, he'll train with some of the best players in the world. Yeah. But yeah. also next, next season, it's very likely Gundogan leaves. And if he plays deputy 
to Gundogan, which I know is sort of playing deputy to the to the deputy in a way, but Makatee will put himself much closer in the thinking of of Guardiola if he's been there on the bench and training sessions the whole time. When I think Gundogan inevitably moves on, so if I was Makatee, I would be patient and stay value the the, the the system you've got around you and the experience that you can gain and possibly pick up a Premier League medal if he can get enough appearances yeah, yeah, in sure. there. So if I was him, I would stay because if City is serious about him, they will put him through a process where eventually he will get onto that first team sheet. My, if I was McAtee, my kind of deciding factor would be Okay, let's just wait till January. Let's just keep things as they are. You know, I'm kind of training with, with these extraordinary players. I'm part of Pep's thinking. I don't expect to get much game time from now until kind of you know, the other side of the World Cup. But let's just see until then. And, and then, because you, you, of course you've always got the option then of going out in January and the club and Pep might be more amenable to that if you haven't played to that point. So that would be my thinking personally. But obviously, as, as Ben says, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes and what the player wants or indeed is kind of mm. requesting. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I've got to say as well, though, there's a part of me which kind of would prefer him to go out on loan purely as a fan of him. You know, I want to see him play. So if he goes mm. to Forest um, or if he go and Leeds is a really interesting project this year, they could bomb or they could thrive. So, um, you know, I'd be really fascinated to see how we'd fare playing for a Forest or, or, or a lead. So let's wait and see on that one anyway. Um, this week, me and Howard and Lloyd kind of went through the whole squad. And I'm not asking um, either of you to do that now, of course, but kind of looking at, at the squad as a whole, Ben, are there any concerns for you? Um, there's an obvious one of left-back, of course. Um, where, where, where's the, are you thinking we could maybe have improved there? Or I hope that bit... That, that aspect is resolved. Is there, is, is there a kind of a weak link in this squad? I, I think the only the only concern in, in addition to left back really is um, is is that replacement for for Jesus or Sterling for me, right. in terms of the yeah. you know a, a winger or you know particularly one with pace. There's the unknown quantity uh, that is Alvarez, of course. You know he can play uh, across the front three as well, um, but. I think if you were to look back, you know, even like last season and said, right, in the following season, you're going to get defensive midfielder, you're going to get a striker uh, and you're going to get another forward. You know, I think we'd be pretty happy with that. It's just those outgoings really that have, that have you know, affected our, our thinking, I guess, in terms of, you know, do we need a bit more pace out there? What we don't know is, you know, whether Pep is going to change his style of play a little bit. So, you know, are we going to be... Not about as much pace, um, you know, on the on the wings, um, and are we going to be a little bit narrower, which which might you know play into the, the team's hands and the players' hands and stuff. So, I think overall the squad looks in a really good place. I think you know going what we were saying a little bit earlier um, about rustiness as well is I think just the fact of having new signings helps with that. You know, even just having one new signing can invigorate the team, and you know we've got three or four in there. Um, so you know, I think I think the squad is overall in in a good place. It's just that left back um, sort of hold that we now have. You know, sort of bumbled along with with no left back for for two seasons or so. Um, and you know, now we've we've got rid of. I think Lloyd touched on this as well the other week. That effectively, we've got rid of our um, you know 
square peg sort of thing in, in Zinchenko as well. Yes. Um, yeah. So so we we definitely need to to solve that. And I do think if if Cucurella, you know, the noises last night were sort of saying that you know Brighton had demanded fifty million and City aren't going over forty, and maybe there is a bit of an impasse there. Is I I think we're at the position now where if they don't get Cucurella, they will get somebody in. Um, because it's just it's too much um, of you know something where I think over the years they've often relied on you know Pep to effectively manage his way out of these situations. Yeah, because of course it was uh, Delft before Zinchenko, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think you know with uh, with how we finished last season, we were really threadbare, weren't we, in terms of the the centre backs and stuff. So you know, thinking about Laporte and Ake maybe help out on the left left hand side. I just think it's too much of a risk, and I think they'll. There's the, again those links uh, last night wasn't about Grimaldo and there's um, is it Sosa from Stuttgart and stuff. So I think they'll they'll get somebody and by the end of the the uh, transfer window we will have another left back. Just depends on who that's going to be. I couldn't agree more. I mean, if we do play narrower, then of course we could be looking at overlapping fullbacks. The return of the overlapping fullbacks, and I don't like the idea of Cancelo on his weaker foot, you know, kind of spooning high and wide, mm. kind of crosses down the left there. So I mean, clearly we need a left back. Chris, what have you made of the chase for Cucurella? I mean, if it's right, if what has been reported is right, then it's fair enough, really. It's quite straightforward at this stage with several weeks to go. I'm not overly worried. I mean, a club is demanding 50 million. We're saying we're not going over 40. Very likely we'll get to around kind of 44 million with a couple of million add-ons. Or am I being too optimistic there? Can you see Cucurella, the deal going through? What worries me is that when it comes to not being held to ransom, City are stubborn and they and they will walk away. Yeah. But I'll be really frustrated if we don't buy Cucurella. Because so City have City have priced Cucurella at thirty million. And then we've just sold a fullback for thirty million. So so do we not value him any higher than Zinchenko? I should say that that, that's kind of opening bid, though, really. I mean, I don't think realistically City would value Cucurella at 30. It probably would be closer to 40. Well, yeah, but that's the bid they put in, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that we've made a, quote, net spend profit. So I don't want to be rinsed by Brighton. But he also also understands Brighton's prerogative. They brought Cucurella in. He's, He's their player of the year, probably, for the season. They are resigned to losing him. So they want to try and get as much money as they possibly can to be able to reinvest. But if we if we walk away from the Cucurella deal and it's and they're looking for like 40, 45, I'll be frustrated because it's like okay, you need we, that we we've not had a genuine fullback for a long time, and so it's like is 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 this a kind of Achilles heel that you keep? wanting to present to us because the one thing i would say and and I tell me what you think about this i was thinking about this the last couple of days th- there's a real genuine sense of excitement amongst the city fan base about the about this forthcoming season and is it because we think that possibly this is guardiola's strongest ever squad mm. now i look back and i think right so so the 17-18 team, when you had Fernie, David, and De Bruyne in the middle, and you had Sané, Sergio, and Raz 
Okay, was astounding. But let's not forget, we had Otamendi in our back line. Okay, uh, you, know, you know what I mean. And, yeah. and we, you know, and, and, and so we, we did have weaknesses. But and I remember the eighteen nineteen season was the season I thought we were at our absolute strongest. I used to look at the bench and think that 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 that's embarrassing because our bench is so full of riches. But this season, particularly in as Ben alluded to, in the style of play that we might have to that we probably will adapt to. We've possibly got the strongest squad we've ever had, apart from the left back, because we because we always had a problem with that. So I would say the imperative is, is go and get that left back, swallow your pride a little bit. Okay, if they want seventy million, then you walk away. But if they want forty five million, we pay it, yeah, and we can take the hit. So, but I just think if we get Cucurella, we have got we've we've easily got the best defense defensive lineup we've ever had in terms of depth particularly in our centre-halves. And so I just think it's the final piece in the puzzle that we just we, we would be really neglectful if we didn't get the player that we wanted in this instance, over £10 million. Um, so I, I expect them to put that deal through before the season kicks off. Okay, well, you, you've answered the kind of follow-up question there. Um, so I'll come to you, Ben. Apologies for this. This is a bit like Keegan on commentary with Batty about to take a penalty, but <laughs> yes or no, Cucurella, will he be a City player? Oh, um, yes, I think they'll get it done. Okay, and you, and you believe so too, Chris? Yeah, if 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 for the hair, if nothing else. <laughs> we, in terms of aesthetics, we haven't got anybody who looks like that in the team. So yeah, it'll be thrilling to see him going down that left hand side. Um, ben, are you are you ready for this new season? I ask that because. Um, I've kind of got into the groove of following the, you know, the Women's Euros, but that aside, kind of stepping away, particularly on kind of social media and all the rest of it. You know, I have a job to write about football, but I'm writing non-topical stuff all summer. So it just feels like I'm kind of out of a loop a little bit. Um, and then suddenly, the Community Shield's tomorrow. There's a championship game starting tonight. The season starts next week. Um, or maybe it might be a bit different for you because you're going to the game tomorrow. So you're, you've got your... Yeah, you know, your head game on, um, your game face on. Sorry, I should say. So, are you ready for this season? Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I am. I think the the anticipation of those new signings. Uh, you know, I'm I'm really excited. I can't remember the last time. You know, excited about signings. And you know, in particularly with with Harland, as as Chris said earlier, I think there's such excitement around him. Now, I think I think I'm sort of typical of a City fan. I'm probably not quite at the the Howard levels of, of pessimism, but <laughs> I, I am probably on the, you know, the, the glass half empty sort of side. But I, I do honestly think there's a chance that Haaland could, you know, absolutely eat up the Premier League this season. And mm. I think that is, you know, so exciting. So I think from that point of view, yeah, there's anticipation um, about the season. Um, it's starting earlier, isn't it, of course, because of the World Cup. So I think, you know, there's there's an aspect of that. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm ready and and, uh, and up for it. Okay, uh, Chris, you've been kind of following all the kind of transfer goings on, on online. Um, but aside from that, you, you're off down B and Q. You're getting all the kitchen kind of <laughs> tools, etc. You do yeah. all, all all the DIY. Uh, are you ready for the season? Has it has it crept up on you? Um, it has a bit. It, it, it's it, it, at the end of last season. Um, after the Villa game and then after the Champions League final, I, I, I just I was I needed a break. I, yes. I just signed yeah, yeah. out for a while, really. Um, um, and you know, so, so 
for me, the, the start of the Premier League season also it aligns itself with the start of like um, of um, county league season. So I'm, I'm I'm starting to get prepping for refereeing again. Of so th- those two things sort of go go hand in hand. And, and I actually, if I'm honest, I do feel ready to start refereeing again. It's been about it's been like six weeks since I've refereed a game, so I need to get I need to get my match fitness back and. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so no, I do feel ready. I, I, I think the, che- the the community shield has crept up on me. I sort of looked at my calendar, and thought, oh shit, that's that's next week, um, and unfortunately, I'm going to miss the first home game of the season because I'm going to be away. Uh, but no, it has crept up, but in a in a in a pleasant way, really. I do feel ready, but but more than anything, I just feel excited. I feel I feel so I feel more confident this season. Than I did at the beginning of uh, of last season, and that wasn't just about the fact that we had half the half the players out. I just look like you're saying about Haaland. If Haaland can increase our goal ratio by at least ten percent, then it's a massive impact. And if he can get on the end of those opportunities that fly across a six yard box, which often are not put in, like he did against Bayern. He he genuinely could make a massive dent in some serious goal scoring records for, for, for the Premier League. So I just feel, I just feel excited because because I'm I'm not really seeing other than the the left back situation which we've discussed. I don't really see where the vulnerabilities are for the City team at the minute. I only see pro- progression and growth. So yeah, I feel really I do feel ready for it. even more talking about it now. I do feel ready for it. Yeah, this this pod has helped actually. It's got me yeah. kind of it really has yeah. Um, and of course, it's not just City and it's not just the Community Shield. Tonight, the Championship starts um, and all across the weekend, of course, on into the Monday. Um, ben, who who are you backing to, to do really well in the Championship this year? And does that differ from who you want to do really well this season? I, th- I think it's, a, it's an odd one in terms of, of who you, you want to do well. I mean, I think... Most City fans have got a bit of a vested interest um, with with Vinny at, at Burnley. Basically. Yeah, a number of uh, City players either you know transferred there or on loan. On the Harwood Bellis is on loan. I think a couple of um, Murich has gone as an Ian Egan Riley have gone too. Um, but I'm, I, I, so I think there's certainly an interest there in Burnley, and I, you know I'd like Vinny to do well. Um, but I do also think looking at at them, the, the business that they've done with outgoings and stuff as well, there could be, you know, there's a there's a chance it doesn't go well. They've they've, they've basically completely changed their first team. Um, I think it was McNeil went last. Was, it, was that confirmed yeah. to Everton yeah, last night? Yeah, it's a loss. Um, and Tarkovsky's already gone to Everton. Obviously, they've lost Pope and Ben Me as well. Like all of those are huge, huge players for them over the last few years. Um, so, so that will certainly be an interesting one. Kick it off tonight. Um, but I think you know beyond that, um, I, it's, it's funny sort of looking down the the list. There's all there's all um, the sort of stereotypical those sort of Brexit sort of championship managers it that really are around there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so Chris Wilder, Steve Bruce, uh, people like Dean Smith, and people like that. So you know, maybe doing a couple of them a disservice there. But I think I can imagine. I think Norwich are in that weird position where I think they're probably one of the better teams in the championship, but then obviously not good enough for the Premier League. Mm. Um, so I think I think they'll be up there. I think that's the level um, for players like Puki and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think, as I said, interested to see how Burnley are doing, but also aware that that could go completely wrong. Um, but I think I think Norwich will be, be up there um, as well. So I reckon they're, they're probably my tip to, 
to go up, I think. I, I reluctantly agree, as in, I don't want Norwich to come back up. I'm sick of them yo-yoing, frankly. <laughs> same, same goes with Fulham as well, as likeable as they are. Um, Chris, same, same question to you. Who are you backing to do well, and does it differ from who you want to do well? Well, I mean, Nor- I don't have anything personal against Norwich. I mean, they, they are... Pr- they have- Previous, the last two times they went down, they won the title to come back up. Yeah. Um, so, so they do have previously been able to react quite quickly when they've got relegated. Um, I'd like to see Burnley do well, but I'll be candid. It's because of, it's because of company, not because of Burnley. Um, and I think also, um, that Watford have got quite a big rebuilding job in their hand, but I still think they've still got quite a lot of significant, you know, they've still got some good players in there that can do that. Be interesting to see what Middlesbrough do, yeah. Um, under Wilder as well, and so, they sort of they were close to the playoffs at the end of last season, and maybe Sheffield United as well because they were in the playoffs, weren't they? Beaten by Forest, I think it was. Yeah. So, I think it'll be, um, I think it'll be the usual suspects with possibly Huddersfield, possibly put in. Um, um, Kind of a bid in, uh, and then and then also, I mean, uh, my mate is a Luton fan, so I was really pleased for him for the amazing season they had. If they can repeat that again, it'd be a challenge. But I'd like to see Luton try and pushing into that top six uh, if they can. But yeah, at the minute, I can't. I I really, I don't know. I'll I'll say now Norwich, Watford, and then either Borough or Burnley. I think with Watford, it all comes down to, oh God, is it Rob Edwards, the new manager from Forest yeah. Green? I mean, if it works there under him, and you know, if he applies himself at a championship standard, then yeah, Watford are definitely to be fancied. Um, so he'll get many... 18 months there then, really. Exactly, yes. If he does well there, uh, yeah, he should get 18 months. And there's so many dislikable clubs in the championship this season. Oh my <laughs> God. I mean, the one that jumps out for me is Coventry. I would love Coventry. I think they're seven to one as well. They've got a good chance um, to at least secure a playoff spot. And um, what the what the fans went through there was just astonishing. Um, mm. And just from a personal perspective, I wrote an article about Coventry once, and the fans really got behind me and helped me. And yeah, I've, I've got a lot of time for Coventry, so I would love Coventry to do well this season. Um, but yeah, to use your suspects, isn't it? It's it, it's all the yo-yoers, um, Watford. Norwich, uh, and and beyond them, there's some seriously dislikable clubs in the championship this season. Hull? <laughs> no, I'm not going to name them all because I'll just get them to flack. Right, let's turn our attentions to the Euros and the big Euro final this Sunday. Um, I've had to write about the. Well, I say I had to write about it. That's how I felt about it when I got asked to because I wasn't really... I used to casually... What, for, follow women's football and suddenly I had to learn all about the teams and the players and I just just I'm a convert I've loved it um I've, I've watched I wouldn't say I've watched every minute I certainly have the England games but I've watched so many of the other games as well and just thoroughly enjoyed it um Chris have you seen much of it um I've seen bits of it I've not I've, I've not seen a lot of it um uh, I've done that usual bandwagon hopping when England got into you know got into the knockout stages that's when I sort of paid much more attention but but also at that point it's quite easy to pick up what's going on with that team yeah. um, and, and the progress that they've made that what was really striking for me is I think women's football at that highest level still has a, has a long way to go 
for technical ability in the final third. I see a lot of crosses coming in all the time. That's the default whip it into the box mm. and create chaos. Where I have seen tremendous progress is in the passing range in the middle of the field. Just su- superb combination and configuration, particularly from um, from England. Um, and I think that England had a real um, kind of... There was a tipping point for them, a real sort of baptism of fire when they played Spain. Spain were the superior side, technically far more gifted than, than England. And England showed that cliched grit and determination to get back, but they basically crushed um, Spain's spirit after that. Mm. And then against Sweden, you then just saw a confident side. Um, I did think they were going to go out against Spain, if I'm honest. I just thought it's going to be one of those heroic failures. Um and and I just hope that that we don't have that usual narrative of England did really well and then they get beat by the Germans because um, the Germans do look incredibly strong. Uh, but I, I've enjoyed it and 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 I just I've just enjoyed the inclusivity of the fan base uh, and and just seeing the women's game kind of make its mark uh, and stand its ground. And the ultimate irony would be is that if football comes home, it's brought home by the women. Yeah, and yeah. more power to their elbow with that. You, you mentioned there about bandwagon kind of hopping, and I saw a really good tweet by um, Kelly, who's been on the pod before now, saying that some kind of blokes are getting flack for suddenly becoming, mm. you know, kind of um, experts, if you like, on women's football. Um, and she said, "Well, isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we're striving for? To kind of this mm. inclusivity and for for people to kind of you know fall in love with women's football and and so you know don't bash them for it, you know." Uh, and I thought, "Well, yeah, that's ex- that's exactly right. That's how that's the right attitude." Um, ben, have you seen much of the, the Euros? Yes, yeah, similar to Chris, I've watched most of the the England games, and I think there's usually been a, a game around sort of seven or eight o'clock, haven't there? So a few times I've you know, flicking through the channels, caught one, and then, you know, he's, you know, grabbed hold of my attention, really. Yeah. What, what and it hopefully it doesn't sound patronising, but I, I just found the games, they're quite quick, generally, they, so they're, they're good fun to watch. There's, you know, there's normally been quite a few goals uh, in a lot of the matches. Um, and I also think there's there's sort of less, and I've seen people say this before, you know, there's there's less of the sort of gamesmanship and, definitely, and diving definitely. and stuff like that in the women's game, um, which is which is really good to, good to watch. Um, but yeah, I mean, anything with regards to England, you know, anything where, you know, there's a, a bandwagon to jump on and, you know, people get around the, the country and stuff are, are great. Um, I just, I hope that it's, you know, I think the, the women's game itself is, is is in a way better place even before this tournament. You know, I think, um, for example, my my son, I know there's a few of the girls in his class and stuff which are really good players and signed up for, for, for clubs and stuff. So there's a lot of that stuff going around. Um, but I think only you know the tournament really helped with that in terms of you know hopefully there's similar to like when we like Ian Wright said this didn't he I think the other night but similar to after the Olympics hopefully there's some sort of like legacy that definitely that follows this yeah um, so yeah so it's, it's just like I say the underlying thing is it's just it's good fun I think to watch and obviously England have been scoring so many goals there's been you know games where you know you couldn't believe it's you know oh, they scored another one another one another one so it's just just great fun to watch. Um, and I think I, I, I quite like the the manager Serena. She seems like quite a, a serious character, doesn't she? She's you <laughs> yeah. know plans for every eventuality. I heard something you know she had actually planned apparently get the COVID. You know <laughs> that she yeah, that she'd get COVID and what would yeah. happen if she got COVID and all that. You know meticulous planning that you know as we know with, with Pep and stuff. That's a 
the best in the in the business. That's what they do, isn't it? They're all over everything. Um, so yeah, so hopefully they they get the result. You know, Ben, it's really it's really interesting point you say that. She's a she's an incredibly impressive individual. Yes, she is, and mm. and um, you know, very meticulous in her planning, very thorough, and she's shown that in modern day football, that's the way you have to be because because quite simply, putting on the shirt is not enough, and passion quote passion is not enough, and it just stands in stark contrast to when Phil Neville was appointed. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I mean? In, yeah. in, in that, in that, the FA is saying, "Oh, we've got you know, we've got this experienced footballer who's played at the highest level." Yeah, he's not a football manager, you idiots. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know what? You, so then they appoint somebody who is a football manager and has that experience and takes a meticulous approach and 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 a kind of almost um, forensic detail, and it just stands in stark contrast between. You know, Phil Neville represents his appointment represented that antiquated three-line chess-beating approach to England football, and and the current manager she personifies what actually top-level managers need to be now and I really hope that at no point the the national game takes a backward step now and looks to appoint another male player just because he's he's been a high profile player and has got experience it's it's a great victory generally for women in football the fact that she's doing so well and has achieved more than any other male manager of the England football the women's England football team yeah well said it felt like a, a, a huge error at the time of his appointment and, yeah and so it went a bit. yes absolutely uh, I should just kind of end with this tweet today from Michael Cox, uh, the writer Michael Cox, who kind of you know studies tactics and has kind of has books out on tactical analysis. From Euro 2017 to this summer, England women's pass completion rate has gone from 63% to 83%. He said, for context, that's the difference between Tony Pulis's Stoke and Arsene Wenger's Arsenal. Um, the game is just improving at a rate of knots. The popularity is rising at a rate of knots. Girls have been inspired to play football and to watch the game. Um, what's there not to love about that? Um, chaps, time is against us and I've really enjoyed that and I feel ready for the season ahead. So um, thanks for joining me today, Chris. Pleasure as always and a pleasure to bring you on as well, Ben. It's great, it's great to do some work with you. Yeah, that absolutely Cheers. seconded. Um, thanks, thanks, Ben. No problem at all, cheese. And thanks everyone for listening in. That's a wrap for today, folks. We're off to explore the playground of pettiness that is Twitter to remind ourselves after a summer of tranquility while Liverpool can be a little bit rascally. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Have a terrific weekend and forever up the blues.